What is up? We are back. This Tuesday, February 1st. I'm your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my co-host, Matt Bushnell. This is Football Life Presents the Audible, episode 95, and the Super Bowl has been decided. The stage is set. We are ready to go. One game left of this precious NFL season, Matt. We have a ton to talk about today. How are you doing out there in Arizona? I'm doing all right, Randy. Today is a little cloudy, a little chilly, a high of 62, so (laughs) we're in a deep freeze right now. It's not fun. All right. Well, thank you for the Arizonian weather report. It is, uh, we're getting up to 41 tomorrow in upstate Ooh. New York. So not to brag, but then, uh, you know, some, some, uh, severe, uh, wintry weather coming our way after that. So not looking too great, but overall, uh, we were moving forward. It's all matters. Um, like we are here, uh, episode 95, like I said, Matt, 95 is a good number. Uh, you know, some really good players wore this number and who comes to mind for you? Oh, an all-time great bear, Richard Dent, sack machine, Super Bowl twenty MVP, baby. The Hall of Famer, uh, right? The Hall of Famer, no? Or yeah, he, oh, he's, oh, he's definitely in the Hall of Famer. Definitely Hall of Famer, correct. All right, well, I think it's two active guys. Uh, Miles Garrett, one of the best uh, defensive players in the league, defensive, former defensive player of the year. And then Chris Jones, the uh, I think the anchor of that Chiefs defense uh, when they're at their peak. And uh, we'll talk about that <laughs> just a little bit. But before we break down how we got to the Super Bowl, it's hard to believe that it has been set with the Rams and the Bengals. But we have to talk about some breaking news, Matt Bushnell, happening this morning, which if you maybe wanted to believe it happened on Saturday, that's fine too, but it is officially official. Thomas Edward Brady Jr. has announced that he will be retiring from the National Football League in an Instagram post this morning. He said he's no longer making a commitment to the competition, and uh, after 22 years, he's decided to hang it up, and it's one of these unique situations, Matt, where we've seen quarterbacks retire. We just saw Big Ben retire last week. Brady is doing it in a different way because he is going out maybe at the peak of his powers because he led the NFL passing, passing touchdowns. He may win the MVP, who knows? Um, but most of the time when you see Big Ben, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, these guys are not the same players anymore when they decide to hang it up. And to me, I kind of I kind of like that he leaves us kind of wanting a little bit more uh, from an athletic and accomplishment standpoint. Yeah, it's one hell of a ride, one hell of a career for Brady. Um, obviously, I think he'll go down as one of the greatest that ever played with, you know, rightfully so. Definitely easily one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played this game. To me, the, the, the legacy is intact for him. You know, going to Tampa Bay and winning that Super Bowl kind of erased a lot of doubts maybe people had of him. And, and he, he really did well this year. You can't take anything away from him. But I couldn't help but notice in that Rams game, it just – it, it, it never felt right. You know, it, it just didn't feel in sync. It seemed like he was tired. The arm strength didn't look as sharp as I, as I usually saw it from him. So to me, it, it's not a surprise when you're 44 years old, he's been doing this his entire life. You know, sports has been a major impact. He'll never have to worry about money. And you know, so sometimes as a father, you just want to be with your kids and you want to be with your family missing baseball games, missing the first steps, missing the first word, feeding them at night, you know, when they're little, all that stuff that you do as a parent that builds such a strong emotional bond that makes you feel connected in a deeper level. So to me, not a huge surprise. 
No, and you had said that, that he was going to do that. I kind of felt he had one more year left in him, but, um, you know, he, he decided it was time. And I think part of the Brady experience is like, hey, I still could do this, and I'm just walking away on my own terms. And he had always said, I'll retire when I suck. And I think we we're all looking for like, hey, we never got this Peyton Manning season from you. <laughs> um, so that's, of course, that's Brady for you. And, you know, he, he retires with the most touchdown passes in league history with 624, the most passing yards in league history with 84,250. 50, 22 seasons is a record, uh, five, uh, seven Super Bowls and five Super Bowl MVPs, uh, it, it, three regular season MVPs. This guy, accomplishment-wise, maybe not the most talented player ever, but accomplishments, by all means, I think you and I agree, is the greatest that we've ever seen do with this. And obviously, he had a lot of things go his way, but I feel like this guy, truly, we might not ever see anything like this ever again. Yeah, no, I it, it's hard pressed to find a guy that could do it. I mean, and I know we're going to get to the game in here in a minute, but Mahomes was the guy that we kind of pegged that we thought, you know, has a chance. But what we saw Sunday, I just I I'm throwing that out the window. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell he gets to seven. <laughs> no, not at all. Um Look, I, I, I don't know what you made of the reporting of it. If you want to touch on that quick, I mean, Saturday mm-hmm. came out that Schefter and, and, and Darlington were saying he's going to announce retirement. It was disputed by a bunch of people. I have my own thoughts on what, what could have went down there. Um, and I think today he kind of just said, that, you know, I'm not going to drag this out any longer. I'm just going to say it on Instagram. I don't think that was how it initially was supposed to happen. And I think maybe uh, the reports on Saturday sped up that timeline uh, overall uh, this is all what led to his decision he, he kind of was hinting it afterwards with the family talk and you know his wife's been begging him to do it for a while so it's not a total shock but overall kind of a messy a couple of days on the reporting of this uh, what do you think ended up uh, happening uh, as a result of this Matt? I, honestly I don't know I, I think so to me, I I feel Darlington and Shefty and Jason Locke and Fora, all, all those guys that did this is pretty shitty in my book because I think you should allow him to do it on, on his time. And when, when when you kind of take that away from a player, it, to me, it kind of feels cheated. I know um, I believe Chris Mortensen was the first to break Peyton Manning's um, yeah. news because Peyton personally told him. But with this, I know there are rumors about man in the arena that that was a possibility, you know, as you were alluding to. And, you know, these situations, I I, I don't want to punish after I don't want to punish Darlington, because at the end of the day, their job is to report what is going on, you know, to break news that that's what they get paid to do. Right. I just think this is a shitty thing to do to Tom Brady. Um, I I would have let him take care of this on his own. Yeah, I I, I think what I would say is I definitely feel like the man in arena uh, has something to do with this. If you don't know, if you haven't been following along and I haven't been able to watch any of that series. It's a, I think it's a 10 part documentary series on Tom Brady through ESPN plus. Um, and I, what the rumor has it is he had announced in the final episode that he was retiring. And this is obviously stuff that's recorded ahead of time, something that is edited together really nicely. Um, and so that means to me, several people on the production crew, the directors, the producers, so many people knew that this was happening and it never came out. 
And I guess maybe if you're an employee of ESPN, if you're Schefter, you can get your hands on stuff like this, this footage, and find it. And maybe Darlington did do. And maybe they tried to confirm it with an agent or someone close to Brady, like, hey, he's leaning this way, and they ran with it. Um, if um, And, you know, there's some uh, ethical issues there from a journalistic standpoint. Maybe you shouldn't um, just let the guy uh, – let, let just let the guy who went out to himself is kind of what I'm getting at here. But uh, your reporting instinct is to not do that. Schefter obviously does not have the greatest uh, – reputation with that i don't think i think he's done some sketchy shit in the past so whatever uh it is what it is now brady seems to be walking into the sunset and if you want to look more into it and in the statement he made this morning he does not say retirement anywhere (laughs) if you want to just say hey he didn't actually say he was going to retire he just said he wasn't going to do this anymore so you know those rumors are going to run rampant for a while i'm sure of it but hey i you know you and i talk about every time someone retires or someone passes away we, we sort of like to just give them their due and and to me you know watching tom brady for 20 years so many people hate the guy so many people are so happy that he's finally walking away for me it's an appreciation uh, i'm not doing this thing where i hate guys and like you know you know and, and just don't uh, and take for granted what they've done because to me watching tom brady is you're truly appreciating the greatness because he was the 199th pick in the draft he was the sixth rounder this was never supposed to be what happened to him. Uh, and I'll always appreciate that aspect. And then obviously me being a Giants fan, he never really tortured me the way he tortured other fan bases. We got them. We got him twice. And I think that adds to why those two Super Bowls meant so much to, to my fan bases, because he was the guy he was supposed to be King and he was never supposed to lose those games. And to get him twice was always, always meant a ton to me. So uh, when you look back at, at football history, Matt, and look at Tom Brady from a fan standpoint, like, what do you think he meant to you? Not much. Um, <laughs> I mean, just being honest, uh, cool to see him win a bunch of championships. You know, if being a Bears fan, it was never a direct correlation. You know, I, occasionally we saw him every four years, but you know, never good enough to beat him. So, you know, just really inconsequential as a Bears fan and as a fan of football. Okay, great. You know, I. I wish there was more parity in the league. I wish other teams would have won the Super Bowl. If anything, it shows how a quarterback can take advantage of a completely mismanaged, dysfunctional division, such as the AFC East was for so many years. You take a look at the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins never were never able to get their shit together until Brady left. So... It's going to feel weird without number 12 being here. Uh, but to your point, I think it adds to the parody that the sport is heading towards and look no further than the current Super Bowl we have to look forward to. I think that we're heading towards a time where things are much more unpredictable. <laughs> I think a lot of yeah. us, maybe when we look at Mahomes, assume that they're going to win every time. But maybe that is something that was unique to, to Brady and maybe yeah. unique to the Patriots. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I do think uh, – his legacy is tops and it's going to be hard to ever really defeat him and all of his accomplishments. So, uh, Hey, I had fun watching the guy. I know I Boston sports has still had a dislike for him at points, but overall it's going to be weird because for so long it was Brady Manning Rogers, all these guys are getting old. They're leaving. Uh, and you know, so there it is. Tom Brady retiring after 22 seasons in the NFL. What a career, what a career. All right. Other news, Matt Bushnell, let's get to it. My team, the New York football giants have hired a head coach. Uh, his name is Brian Dable, the bills offensive coordinator coming over with uh, his former uh, partner there, Joe Shane, uh, the assistant uh, general manager. Now the giants general manager, 
Dable now the off, was the offense coordinator, now the head coach. So maybe the Bills South, uh, Southeast is what's going on here in New Jersey. Uh, but overall, uh, I like the hire. I like the offensive strategy. I like the play calling. But I also what I really liked hearing from him was that you have to get your players to trust you. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to do what you want them to do. You have to build those relationships. You have to communicate well with them. You're not going to be something that you're not. And they'll see right through it if you're fake. That's a refreshing thing coming from what we used to have because obviously Joe Judge came in and said they're going to do all these things and they're going to do this, they're going to be this way, they're going to do that, and it wasn't that way. He just talked a big game and was unable to back it up. So I like that he didn't offer any empty promises. He just said, I'm going to go out and work as hard as I can to turn this uh, ship around uh, and make this work. So I like to hire a Babel. I like that you have the head coach and GM uh, right in lockstep with one another because I don't feel like you had that last time either. So uh, at the very least, this is a, a, a it's an improvement for the Giants because it couldn't get much worse than what it was before. Yeah, um, I, I think you take a look at the previous three head coaches and automatically I think this is an upgrade above all three. Um, maybe you can make an argument for Pat Shermer, who had more of a track record of success as an offensive coordinator. So maybe I give Pat a little bit of an edge here. I mean, so I'm going to lump Matt Eberflus, Brian Dayball, um, and I, I guess there's rumors of Mike McDaniel going down to um, Miami, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. But like any first-time head coach, they all kind of get lumped in this power. I just don't know what I'm going to get. I, I don't love Dayball, but really with this coaching cycle, there wasn't a lot of names I loved. So to me, I, 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 like I said, I think it's an upgrade. But by all means, it couldn't get much worse. Um, but I think from top to bottom, you need to see organizational change and the head coach can only do so much. It's a step in the right direction, but, you know, hopefully Joe Shane can also bring that change within the organization. If not, Randy, I just fear like dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things that they find a way to be dysfunctional, even when they have the right people there. It just depends how strong those right people are if they can overcome that dysfunction. So, you know, I, I'm good luck to Brian Dayball. He's going to have his detractors, such as me, and he's going to have his supporters, such as I, you know, I'm assuming that you're a Dayball fan, which absolutely, you know, there's, yeah. there's reasons to be a fan of his. But for me, I just don't know, you know, and, it, and it's just wait and see now. But like I said with the Bears, it's got to be results based at this point. Yeah, hundred percent. And watching, you know, how they handled the previous regimes, uh, and and seeing how this is, it, it just feels like it's different, and feels like more of a a, a process, and, and and not the right way, but sort of feels like if if there was a right way, that this was handled the right way. Um, what also what I like about Dable is that he is apparently, or at least trying to bring over Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator. Now he was the quarterback coach for the Bills, the guy that you uh, think highly yeah, of too. I do. Um, and then the staff also. Also would include uh, Patrick Graham, who has been the defensive coordinator for the Giants for the last two years. Or if he were to get a head coaching job, I think he's interviewing for the Vikings job today. Uh, Wink Martindale was a name thrown out as well. So I like that staff if that ends up being the case, um, because you and I don't know. You and I agree that like the head coach should not be necessarily calling all the plays. No, if no. Dorsey's the one coming in and calling the plays, him and Dable are in lockstep together, too, like I said. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of surprises. They have the same mindset, the same philosophy. It'll be easier to teach these guys what they want to accomplish. So if they bring in Dorsey, that's a huge get for me. And it makes me even feel better about Dable, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, Dorsey, 
you know, to, to understand the structure of how this uh, works really is that you have your quarterback coach who spends the most time with the quarterback. So I give Ken Dorsey an, an enormous amount of credit for developing Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen was basically a lump of coal and they really worked with him to be maybe the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe third, depending on any of you, Joe, Joe Burrow at this point. Right. But Ken Dorsey would be a huge gift. Like I said, I, I'm not a day ball fan, but I, I, I can make a case that he's a good you know, coach. But Ken Dorsey to me is the gem in this. Ken Dorsey, to me, is absolutely fantastic. I think he can get a lot uh, out of not a little. Um, it just, to me, an overall fantastic coach. I really love Ken Dorsey, and that would be a hell of a get for anybody. Yeah, and what I think is the interesting dynamic here is, like, if you're a Giants fan and you're excited about this, you have to you have to understand Daniel Jones is not <laughs> Josh Allen. He's just not no. physically that and not nearly as talented, um, and you shouldn't expect that. Now, if Dable and Dorsey or whoever do a good job with Jones, that's fine. They all, the Giants also should not be committed to him long-term, even if he does improve. That's where mm-hmm. I want to see what the case is here. Because if Jones looks a little bit better, they're like, oh, let's give him a contract extension. No, like, let's see our options here before we do that. The other thing is, if you take all of these coaches away from the Bills, what's going to happen to Josh Allen? Is he still just the guy no matter what? Or is he still the great player that we know of him now? Like, taking away his offensive coordinator and his quarterback's coach, you know, I think that wouldn't make an impact. I mean, maybe he won't be a bum, but I, I do think that would have a negative impact on him. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, it, doesn't, it, it kind of depends on who they hire to replace them. But I think once you fix the flaws in a player's game, and, and I, think, I think they have for the most part, Josh Allen's just that dude now. You know, yeah. I, I, I think you ascend to a different level. It, it, does it sting? Absolutely. You know, you never want to lose your offense coordinator and your quarterback coach and that whole system. But I, I think you get a guy in there that can make a system around Josh Allen now. You see his strengths. You know what kind of player he is. And th- there's a lot of great coaches out there, offensive-wise, defensive-wise. Where can you identify them? And I think the one thing I know about Sean McDermott at this point, if we know anything, is that he can get great coaches. So I, I think Josh Allen's that dude. A lot of people are going to be excited. I mean, this is a top job. And, our, and personally, if I'm Ken Dorsey, why would I leave? I, I get you want to go to day ball, but if you want to be a head coach in the NFL, you absolutely 100% stay in Buffalo. I think it was um, money related. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it was the Giants can offer him more money to, to take the job there. Um, mm-hmm. Or if it was Buffalo, when you just get promoted, they can't give you the same amount. It's, I think it's mainly money related and maybe his relationship with Dayball is they're both really close and maybe that's the case, but I agree professionally, you'd rather stay with the better quarterback, yeah. better, better team. I, I mean, it makes more sense, but if you're trying to you know get paid a little bit and it doesn't mean he couldn't get a job away from the giants. Um, you know, I wouldn't blame him for that either, but just a All longer right. road. Just a little, yeah, you're right. And Daniel Jones is going to make your resume look a little bit worse than you expect it to. So uh, just saying, <laughs> Dable, uh, noticeably shorter than I expected to. I, the guy is uh, very uh, small. He's not quite a, you know, a little person, but he's definitely on the shorter side. I thought I was watching The Hobbit. <laughs> you, you like poking fun at my, my team sometimes. Yeah, just, uh, just a little here and there. That's I mean, okay. I don't care how tall he is. Joke. If he's a good coach, that's all that matters to me. I don't care how tall he is. Yeah. Uh, all right. The bald and beautiful man uh, there in MetLife. Now on to the Raiders who have made two hires in that bush. That, you know, we we did not like them moving on from uh, Rich Passaccia. Thought he deserved an opportunity. Yeah. 
they were ready to move on. So they got rid of Mike Mayock as well. And now they are just adopting New England into their uh, hopeful future, which uh, they took away, which I believe was the de facto GM for the, the Pats, David yeah. Ziegler, yeah. Um, who, you know, we know we knew Belichick made all the decisions there, but this guy was GM by title. And then Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for a long time, he was the coach of the Broncos back in the day, did not work out well, ended up going back to the Pats and has been the offensive coordinator for, for a very long time. Um, I don't love it because <laughs> this is my first initial reaction, but maybe McDaniels has learned from his mistakes and maybe Ziegler uh, is better at scouting and drafting than Belichick is. Cause I don't think Belichick's great at that either. So what do you make of this? Cause for Vegas, I felt like they could have done better. I, I absolutely love it. I think it's absolutely a home run to get Josh McDaniels and just listening to his press conference yesterday um, really shed a lot of light on the process and what he did. I, I do think as a head coach, you know, you go back to it and the, the one thing, you know, is football. And he said, the one thing he didn't know was people, you know, he didn't know how to deal with it. He didn't know how to handle it. And that's 95% of the job as a head coach is you're constantly dealing with people all the time. You have to deal with players from all, all three phases of the team. You have to deal with upper management. You have to deal with reporters. You, you know, you just, there's so much to being a head coach that as a coordinator would just never prepare you for. And I think failure sometimes is our greatest teacher. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping that it works out. You know, like I said, I, I love Basaccia. I, I hope he doesn't get the Jaguars job because if he doesn't, he's coming to Chicago as their special teams coordinator. And that would be a hell of a get for the Bears. But Basaccia absolutely deserved to be a head coach this year for the Raiders or going into this year with the Raiders the 2022 season. It's a shame that he's not. I, I like Josh McDaniels as the head coach. I wouldn't have moved on from Basaccia, but Josh McDaniels is absolutely a great hire for head coach. It's also different circumstances for McDaniels because when he was with the Broncos, he had, you know, Tebow and a bunch of other kind of random guys. Uh, now he has a steady quarterback position in Derek Carr, at least for the time being, unless they decide to move on. But I think that would be silly. I think, you know, getting Carr uh, automatically elevates you as a coach. Uh, and you be, if you run a similar system to what you had in New England, I think Carr will, will thrive in that situation. So uh, I didn't love the way Mike Mayock – uh, drafted where him and Gruden you know drafted together. I thought they made a ton of um, questionable decisions high in the high in the draft, especially. Uh, so Ziegler, all he has to do is do just a little bit better than that, uh, and and you know maybe the Raiders will be in the right thing. So I talked about liking the the Shane Dable combination with the Giants. It's similar here at the very least, where you have a head coach and a general manager and lockstep that they know what they want. They have a similar philosophy. They can work together. That is just as important as anything else. So yep. uh, you're right about the failure is your life's greatest lesson. Uh, I think when you do fail, you learn a ton from it. And maybe McDaniels uh, is finally ready for that opportunity. So uh, we'll see. And, you know, doesn't seem like Bill's going away anytime soon. And so he doesn't, he's not going to wait to get groomed for that patch job. So we'll <laughs> see. I, I think that the Raiders is a good opportunity for him. And I, uh, I think Carr is honestly the, the, the prize possession in this field. So. Um, we got breaking news, somewhat breaking news. It is official. Oklahoma's quarterback, Caleb Williams, announces that he is transferring to USC. I did see that, and that's big for you and your Trojans. <laughs> Lincoln Riley getting a big recruit for you uh, already, and Caleb Williams is a stud, so that, that's huge. And they already turned two five-star prospects from Oklahoma to USC, so a little bit of college news for your day. There you go. This is what we do on the Audible. We, we, we bring it all. We don't hold anything back. All right. Well, that's the news. 
that I mean, not a ton of it, but still a decent amount. Um, but the big news, Matt Bushnell, is that we have Super Bowl 56 now staring us right in the face. But how did we get there? Well, championship weekend happened on Sunday, and we were going to begin with the Chiefs and the Bengals. Now, you and I both uh, thought the Chiefs would win. You thought it would be a big blowout. I did think it would be much closer. And uh, our friend Henry, who hopped on the show, said that he thought the Bengals would win the game. And, and sure enough, Henry uh, would be the only one correct. But if you look at the first half of this game, the Chiefs were up 21-3, to clicking on all cylinders until uh, what I believe was the huge uh, momentum shifter before the half. The Chiefs have a, what was it? It was just a first and goal with, I don't know how many seconds left exactly, but they had an opportunity to take three. They didn't. Pat Mahomes throws a screen to Tyree Kill. He gets tackled with no timeouts, inbounds. The clock clicks to zero without any points for the Chiefs. Now, I think the Bengals went into the locker room and thought that was a huge, huge victory, and clearly it was because they come out in the second half, make major defensive adjustments, and the Chiefs just couldn't figure it out. And it was enough for the Bengals to chip away, chip away, and chip away, which they went. They reverted back to that Chiefs team in the middle of the season, Matt, that you and I both did not feel great about. And I'm kind of shocked because I didn't think the Bengals had it in them. Yeah, it just angers me so much when it comes to football and, you know, making the right call versus the stupid calls. It, it, it goes back, Randy, and my philosophy on it. At some point in football, you have to go back to the core principle of what football is. It is a physical sport at the end of the day. You have to block, you have to tackle. And running the football is a key component. You you passed up a field goal, three points. How big of a difference would that have made? You just need to get in field goal range and then you win the game because it would have been 27-24 at that point. But the second half was so egregious. I don't have the final numbers, but at one point I, you know, and I rewatched the game, Randy, because I just wanted to just get extra angry for this. <laughs> and it is completely asinine, idiotic. I don't think Andy Reid's going to win another Super Bowl in his lifetime just because he refuses to do something as simple as if he's not calling the plays and it's by enemy, you take away the play call sheet and you say, you run the fucking football right now. We're not throwing it. That ball is not going in the air unless it has to. They were daring the chiefs to run the ball, dropping eight men back and cover three, cover two quarters, cover six. And the, the, the chief's response was, we're going to keep on hitting our heads against a brick wall until somehow we either lose this game or something happens miraculously. And they just wouldn't do it. Jarek McKinnon was dominant that entire game. He was running the ball hard, breaking tackles, breaking through that first line. It, it was really impressive to watch. And that's how they got their points in the first half by using McKinnon to set up the play action that allowed Mahomes to get that extra time and get those DBs to bite up. And the Chiefs just go back to the stupid, idiotic shit that they did in the beginning of the year. And they don't learn from it. And it's aggravating to watch because you were watching Patrick Mahomes. And I'll say he's still the greatest. He's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. The best. And this is what we get. Sometimes you have to take the ball out of that player's hands to preserve a win. This is championship level football. And then the tweet that they sent out after the game, how no one expected them to be oh there. You were favored to win every damn game that you were played in. You were the favorites to win the Super Bowl. What the hell are you talking about? The tone deafness of this franchise, it gives me Chicago Bear level vibes with the stupidity and just the idioticness of it all. The, the Bengals, congrats. Joe Burrow is absolutely that dude. 
but he should have never been in that position to win that game. Even in overtime, Randy, how many times they run the football? Zero. They had three plays. Yeah. They, they didn't throw, they didn't run one time. Completely inexcusable. And you know, stuff like this, you want to be football stupid. Fine. I, I would rather see teams and no offense, Randy, but to you and my, like when the bears had bad quarterbacks, like Mitch Trubisky, Hopefully they don't do it to Justin Fields, but Daniel Jones, you want to be stupid with those guys, with those quarterbacks, be my guest. You want to be stupid with Tua? I don't care. You want to be stupid with, you know, Kirk Cousins? I'm good with that too. You want to be stupid with Jared Goff? I don't care. But this is Patrick Mahomes. You have a quarterback in his prime. You know, don't be stupid with him. Don't be stupid with Justin Herbert. Don't be stupid with Joe Burrow. Don't be stupid with Aaron Rodgers. You know, but all, all this stuff, it just comes back to the surface with this Chiefs team, wasting the prime of a great quarterback. But you know what? Joe Burrow's that dude. You give him a chance to win the game, he's going to win the game at this point. I think we know this about Joe Burrow. And congrats to Cincy's defense. Granted, the Chiefs played into that plan, and they were incredibly stupid. But to be able to pull that off, to come back twice – in a matter of four weeks, you did this to them twice in four weeks, and those idiots still didn't learn. Congrats. You deserve to go to the Super Bowl. You've earned this opportunity. This is the team that no one believed in, Randy. This was the team that no one expected to be there. So the Chiefs can save that bullshit and just say congratulations to Cincinnati. I do think that that tweet, was not by the Chiefs, but I, I can't confirm. I think it was like a local TV station, but I, either way, still not accurate at all. You're still the damn Chiefs. <laughs> you were literally favored always and probably would have been favored if you played the one C Titans. Like it would have been still the Chiefs. But yeah, it, this is a colossal choke job. And, you know, I gave I gave Aaron Rodgers a long pass for a lot of his playoff failures, thinking it's not his his fault. Um I, I, and, I, and I killed him last week when they blew that game against the Niners. I give Pat Mahomes a lot of times a huge pass because a lot of times it's not his fault. I do think he is just as much of a problem in this situation than the play calling is because you can't force the ball into double coverage to Tyree Kill. You can't mm-hmm. force the ball into double coverage to Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. Those interceptions were entirely preventable. And then the screenplay that B.J. Hill intercepted was a terrible decision. <laughs> Just, he refuses to throw it away, and it's, it's a, it drives me nuts. Even at the end of the game, they got very lucky that fumble was recovered by the cheat by themselves and, and not the Bengals because the game's over with at that point. Uh, he's sitting there. He's sitting there. Sees a guy rushing, spins around, doesn't really do anything, and then fumbles. You can't do that, man. You throw the ball away, live the fight another day. And he made the field goal a lot more difficult for Butker than it needed to be Yep. to me. And you, you said it spot on. They are begging you to run the football, begging you like say, Hey, here you go. Just run it. And they just said, no, nah, we're, we're not doing that. We're going to win how we always win. And, the, and, it, and it cost them because uh, Jerick McKinnon, 12 carries for 65 yards. Clyde Edwards, six carries for 36 yards. Those are good averages. Those are that's running the ball successfully as a team total. They had 24 carries for 139 yards. Why did they stop running the ball? They could have ran the ball 50 times for over 200 yards if they kept doing that. They should have. They refused, and they didn't. And that's why they did, they lost this game ultimately. You didn't get points at the end of the half. You didn't get. Uh, you only got the three at the end of the at the end of regulation, and you almost didn't get that. And it's all because of your own stubbornness. I I I will give the credit to the Bengals defensive coaches and the defense for playing that extra coverage, the drop in the eight, only rushing four. 
uh, bracketing their two best players. That's what I was begging the Bills to do last week, and they didn't do it. I'll give the Bengals credit for that. But my, oh, my, the absolute stubbornness of the Chiefs to not adjust is just mind-numbing to me because you think about Andy Reid. Like, yeah, he's a great coach. He made four straight NFC championships, went to a Super Bowl and lost. He hadn't even won a Super Bowl until two years ago with this Chiefs team of Patrick Mahomes. He's gone to now four straight AFC title games, and that one ring is all he has to show for it. Maybe at some point this is what Andy Reid is, and just somebody who gets too cute when the moment gets too big, and it's just makes you want to smack your head against the wall. Yeah, I mean, we can argue that ring was even a fluke against San Francisco in the Super Bowl. You know, if Jimmy G hits that pass, you know, Cheeseburger Reed has zero rings. But t- to me, at the end of the day, like we could talk about Mahomes and Henry brought up all those bad passes that did him in. The point is, you should have never put Mahomes in that position to begin with. Why did you do it? At, at one point, they're only rushing three. They're like, these, these idiots are going to keep on throwing it. Yeah. When you drop eight, everyone is double covered. Everyone. Yeah. Because guess what? You can only have a max of five guys going out for passes. Why is that? Because you got five offensive linemen. And then you got five wide, five possible wide receivers going out. And then you got the quarterback. So there's six people that are ineligible. Five against eight. So the math is simple. Run the fucking football. Right. Everyone is eligible at that point. You have 10 blockers. At that point, if you want to count the quarterback, sometimes quarterbacks block. It happens occasionally. But this is the stuff that's inexcusable. And they deserve to lose this game. They had, you know, at this point, it's just embarrassing. If, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm livid. Like, if I'm the GM, I call Andy Reid into the office, and I'm like, what is this shit? What yeah. is it going to take? Because they should be hosting or hoisting another Lombardi trophy. Last year, I'll give it to them. That offensive line was decimated, and the Bucks came on, and they were hot as hell. But the Super Bowl, it was theirs. They would have beat the Rams. They would have beat the 49ers. It didn't matter who you threw at them. They would have won this past Super Bowl if they would stick to the formula of running the football. If they run the football, Randy, 55% of the time, this team would be damn near unbeatable. All I wanted, if you look at the box score, you say you ran the ball 10 more times, you probably win this game. Like, yeah. It's just it's frustrating to look at the box score and how well they ran the ball. And then just they're 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 not willing to do it. And it's just crazy to me to see a team just be so stuck in their ways and to not adapt. And and we just talked about Brady at the top of the show. Like the reason those Patriots teams were so good is that they did adapt to their competition almost every single time. If they had to throw in a shootout, they would. If they were able to run the ball consistently, they would. If it was just little check downs and death by a thousand cuts, they'd do that too. Like the, that's what, like they were a chameleon with how they could adapt and the chiefs are not <laughs> doing that. Yeah. And, and they had this game one and, and it, it almost reminds me and Henry and all the other Yankee fans watching, I'm sorry for this comparison, but it only reminds me of this because I've never seen a team play so well in the first half and so bad in the second half. And it's almost a comparison to me as the New York Yankees in games one through three of the 2004 ALCS and then, or games one through three and then games uh, four through seven against the Red Sox and how poorly they played. It is such a Jekyll and Hyde thing where it's way up. Like they were at the peak of their powers until that last drive when they didn't get any points. And then just what it was like a completely different team out there in the second half. And it's just it's frustrating to watch when you, you, know, you have such high expectations for this team and this quarterback uh, for them to let that happen. And if you're a Bills fan, 
I don't want to hear it. You can be happy that the Chiefs the Chiefs lost. I, I, that I don't blame you for. But the I, the instant irony here. We we discussed the overtime overtime rules at nauseum last week. Oh, uh, gotta be changed. Oh, gotta be changed. Bengals did what the Bills couldn't do. They got to stop. They they got they, they turned the ball over, and that, at that point. It's sudden death, and all you needed was a field goal, and they got the job done. Uh, I will say the Bengals uh, – I, I put Bengals resilience here, and part of it is, like, there were points in time when this game felt over for them. Like, they, they couldn't get anything going. But the things that kept them in this were just chipping away at the lead. It was 21-10 to 10 at one point. They got stopped in the, in the red zone. They kicked the field goal. They're like, oh, why would you kick the field goal? I should go for it. That was a huge to yeah. make it a one-score game to kicking that field goal. Normally people are like, Oh, I'd rather just go for it. But if you walked away with no points there, this is a big difference in the game. If they don't do that. Um, I thought the Bengals got a huge break in overtime <laughs> with that uh, Joe Mixon run. Uh, I don't necessarily think he was touched and he got up and he just dropped the ball. Uh, that could have been massive if they called that differently in, in the in game. Uh, and then the other point I want to make here, Matt Bushnell, is uh, we might have a new kicker uh, to sort of crown here. And I don't want to say he's better than Justin Tucker, but hey, a playoff run like this has to be recognized. Wild card round against the Raiders, Evan McPherson was four for four in field goals. Last week against the Tennessee Titans, four for four in field goals, and he hit the game winner as time expired. And this week, Evan McPherson, four for four again, and the game winner in overtime. Shout out to the rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. This guy is clutch as all hell. And even when he hit the swag, when he ran out of the field with the Titans, oh, it looks like we're going to the AFC title game. Like, that is the confidence and the swagger we're looking for. 12 field goals already in the postseason. Shout out to Evan McPherson. It's hard even to say these words, Matt Bushnell, but the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> hard to imagine. If, uh, we, you and I both thought they were finishing last place in their own division. Yeah. This is crazy. Crazy world. Congrats to them, though. And this just goes to show what a young quarterback can do for you. And Joe Burrow, I mean, this guy – Won the national championship with LSU two years ago. Won the Heisman Trophy. Gets picked number one overall by the Bengals. They win five games last year. Burrow tears his ACL. Then the Bengals take a wide receiver fifth overall, Jamar Chase, instead of Panay Sewell. You and I both killed him for it. And who's laughing now? The Cincinnati Bengals. They won the division. They won all their games. And now they're representing the AFC in the Super Bowls. It's so crazy. Uh, Burrow uh, only sacked once in this game. So credit to their offensive line as well. But Burrow finishes 23 for 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And I don't know about how you feel about this, but he is, I feel like now the Bengals are in this, the, whether they win the Super Bowl or not, I'm always going to assume they have a chance because Burrow has this mindset where he's never out of it. No matter what, he's not giving up. And, and if they're down, it does not mean they're out, and he's going to make things happen. And I got a ton of respect for the guy. And I can't believe the Bengals of all teams are the team that now have a franchise quarterback that you seems like you can rely on. Yeah, my, like I said in the chat the other day, Randy, it, he gives me Tom Brady vibes. Um, it just really does because when a team opens the door for you to win, he's going to take that door and smash it down and get the W. So you got to be happy if you're a Bengals fan. He just is also like cool as all hell. The, the cigars after the game, the, the hair, like, I mean, this guy, we're going to talk a lot about Joe Burrow uh leading up to the Super Bowl but I just I can't get enough and you know you think about the young quarterbacks now with Brady gone this league is heading towards this young era and we both think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league but when you look at a kid like Burrow if he wins the Super Bowl let's say he wins another one in the next couple years I mean we could be looking at a guy 
who is the next <laughs> Brady. And, and really, I mean, except he was number one overall pick and came in with these high expectations. But my oh my, it's hard to believe that Southern Ohio is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So good for them. I'm happy for them. Chiefs have some serious things to reflect on this offseason. And uh, if you're a Bengals fan, go eat all the Skyline chili you could possibly get. Uh, good for you. Uh, <laughs> okay, the NFC. And if, Henry, it's time. If I didn't already annoy you enough with the Yankee comparison, it may be time to log off and stop watching the show because the NFC championship game was played not long, not long after this. You watch Evan McPherson kick the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and you're like, holy crap, I can't believe the Chiefs lost. And then all of a sudden, here comes the SoFi Stadium, and then the Rams with their stupid radiant uniforms, and then the Niners, and you're like – all right, what's going to happen? So uh, I guess the first thing we should say is the Rams jumped out. Uh, well, they didn't jump out. They were losing 7 nothing, but then they had a 10-point lead in the, in the second half of this game. Then you thought this is the same old, same old Shanahan-McVay matchup. Niners are going to take care of business. Uh, and and sure enough, uh, they did not do that because why would it? Why would anything go the way we expected it to go this year? Um the first thing on the list, besides the 10-point lead here, Matt Bushel is the coaching in this game. Uh, I have serious issues with, and I think we can start here. Um, Sean McVay, just burning timeouts like he's got 100 of them. Oh, what are you doing, dude? And then he makes it – you have one challenge left in the second half, and he makes this inexplicable challenge that even if it was – a challengeable play. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the decision. I don't understand the willingness to lose your last time out in the second half. I don't know. And then, <laughs> then Shanahan, we have this rule with Jimmy, right? I think Henry has this rule with Jimmy. If you throw more than 20 times, you're probably in a bad spot. He threw 30 times with Jimmy G and it ended up being a failure. And then the run game, this lauded run game by the San Francisco 49ers manufactured all of 50 rushing yards on 20 attempts. I don't like that you bailed on the running game so fast. I don't like that you only had 20 attempts, but you were not effective on the ground at all. So to me, I expected this to be a defensive game. Just going to pat myself on the back and say I predicted exactly 20 to 17 ramps. So anyway, Matt, Mick, what do you think of these coaches? I've been saying all postseason, Shanahan just does some crazy shit. I don't like it. McVay constantly running up and down. Like, what are you? What are these guys doing? Like, maybe you need a little bit more experience with these guys because I don't, I don't get some of these decisions. I just go back to, I, I, I think in college, it's one situation in the NFL is completely different. And I, I said it, I don't know how many times Tom blew in the face. I don't want my head coach calling plays. I, I just think it lends itself to some bad situations, bad situational football. You know, you're worried about what play you're going to call next. So you have no idea what's going on, which leads to a terrible challenge flag, you know, for McVay twice, both those challenges were incredibly stupid. Horrible. And 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 then you take a look at Shanahan on the other side, fourth and two. The momentum is completely shifted to the Rams. McVeigh calls a timeout. At that point, you need to get your best play together and figure out what can we do here. What is the easiest throw for Jimmy to make? To me, Jimmy is deadly on slants. He's really good at throwing slants. Throwing a middle slant to Greg Kittle to get that first down would have made a lot of sense there. I, I And I said it in the chat. It was the second half. They were daring, just daring the 49ers to throw that deep seam pass. Uh-huh. They had nine, 10 guys in the box at one point. Like, yeah. all right, you're not going to be able to run. And Kyle Shanahan, and you just saw it. There was no trust in Jimmy whatsoever that entire game. He didn't want Jimmy to throw deep. He kept everything short. 
there was really not a whole lot of shots taken down, you know, deep downfield outside of passes that were never going to be caught anyway. To me, both these coaches just mismanaged this game in a lot of different ways. The Rams, to me, are the better football team overall. I mean, let's just say from top to bottom, they're better. They have the better quarterback. Um, running backs are probably a wash, but they have the better wide receivers by a mile. That's not even particularly really close. Um, defensively, Von Miller, you know, was beating Trent Williams like a government mule. I mean, just getting around him at every turn. And it's, I know Trent wasn't healthy, but you just take a look at things like this. Like, where was the chip protection? Where was adding help to Trent Williams? You don't let Von Miller beat you. Leonard Floyd was impactful. Aaron Donald started getting his juices flowing in the second half a little bit. And to me, at the end of the day, if you are the 49ers, you have to look in the mirror and obviously Jimmy G has gone. I don't think that's even, you know, a doubt, but how'd you get here? You know, how could you go into this year and more so how could you take a quarterback that only started 13 games, number three in the draft, like all these things add up for a team that was supposedly in a Super Bowl window. These windows do not stay open long at all. They close quickly. You didn't want Tom Brady. You chose Jimmy G over Tom Brady, which, you know, to each their own. You, you tried to call the Packers about Aaron Rodgers, but that was never going to happen because the Packers will never trade Aaron Rodgers within the NFC. That's just never, ever going to happen. So really, I take a look at this 49er staff and – you had Bosa on a rookie affordable contract. You know, Fred Warner is a great inside linebacker, but inside linebackers, much like running backs, have a short shelf life. You don't know how much wear and tear they can take. And to me, Debo Samuel is going to get a big contract as well. These windows do not stay open long. And now you got to start paying people. And now this is when it's going to start hurting. What are you going to do? And now you're trusting... Trey Lance, who has very minimal starting experience, zero to be exact. Well, I think he started one game against the Texans, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know. I mean, as a 49ers fan, this kind of felt like your last great shot with the current roster constructed as it is. And now you're going into next year with more questions at the quarterback position than what you should. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this felt like, the. I mean, like Henry said last week, you probably didn't expect to be here. Uh, but you and I before the season thought this was a very talented team. Yep. I was going to win a lot of games and uh, and wouldn't be here. Uh, obviously, the season didn't go exactly the way it was planned, but we were not going to be shocked if the Niners made a deep playoff run. And it's because they had a great roster and we thought highly of the coach and uh, Jimmy, I don't love, and but we have seen it before. Uh, ultimately, that's kind of what it goes by. Now, the quarterback play in this game, I thought, you know, Jimmy was not good at this game. <laughs> I really don't think anyone can argue that he was. Uh, but 16 to 30, 232 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. That pick at the end just being the killer. Uh, obviously, if he took the sack, it still was fourth and long. Probably not a good, great chance there either. But he literally flung the ball like this, bounced off the running back's hands into the, the, uh, the Rams defender. And that was the game. On the other side of the ball, Matt, I think I'm on the on the side. Of, I might be on the island here, uh, but Matt Stafford was 31 of 45, 337 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. I thought Matt. I thought Stafford made two terrible decisions in this game, and other than that, he was great. Uh, he had the one pick in the red zone. Uh, he threw the ball behind Cup, uh, bounced off of his shoulder pad, up in the air. 
Obviously, you got to get points in that situation. You can't turn the ball over. That's huge. I want to talk about the other mistake in just a second. But first, Stafford was also really good, mainly because his two receivers stepped up in a huge way. Now, Cooper Cup has been the best receiver in the NFL this year, getting MVP love from everybody. Cup was 11 for 142 and two touchdowns on 14 targets. He was great in this game. He did have a bad drop, but overall, he was great. And then my guy, I'm a big, I'm the biggest Odell Beckham Jr. fan in football life. I'm always going to love Odell. I still hate when the Giants traded, still hate him when the Giants traded him. He was huge in this game, and I honestly don't think they won't win this game without him. Uh, he had nine for 113, consistently moved the chains, got hit, and got, got a huge hit at, towards the end when he caught a ball for a first down, adding another 15 in that game winning drive. Uh, I thought Odell came up massive in this game, and it was so big for the, the Rams to do that. Um, now, Matt, I, I guess this comes to that moment in time where before any of that even happened, the, the Rams are driving to take the lead. It's tie game. Stafford throws just the definition of a YOLO ball, just throws it mm. up, and he goes, a cup or Odell are down there. Let me just chuck it up there. And we might be talking about a completely different game if this doesn't happen, but Jaquaski, Jaquorski, Tart, uh, I don't really know how to say his first name, but boy, oh boy, this was a choke job of epic proportions because <laughs> the ball is staring him in the face and he's got it and it's coming down and he closes his hands before the ball gets there and bounces right off of his chest and falls to the ground. And you just felt all of the Niners fans in the crowd, by the way, just deflated at that point in time. Holy mistake for the ages. But all those factors that put together, Matt, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to toss to you, but wow, these moments in time, uh, I, I'm really impressed by how Stafford did. I love how, the, how well the receivers played for the Rams, and boy, oh boy, did this game come down to that brutal mistake. You know, it, it goes back to coaching, really, Randy, in situations like this, in my opinion, because you want to secure the football first. And if you look at the replay, he looked straight ahead. The ball yep. was still in the air and he looked ahead because he wanted to see where he could go after he caught the ball. It is the number one mistake for wide receivers to take their eyes off the football. Cause that's when you drop it, you drop it 99% of the time. As soon as you take your eyes off of it, catch the football first. Yes. It would have been a huge momentum shift. It could have changed the game. It could have very well could have, but there's plays within the game that would have made it, you know, I, I think the same result was going to happen regardless, in my opinion. But you, you have to catch that football if you're the DB. The coaches need to tell them, look, you know, the turnovers are taught in practice. Um, being experienced in, with Lovey Smith, who was lauded as probably one of the greatest turnover coaches in the history of the NFL, because the Bears constantly, even before the Rams, when he, when he was with the Rams as a defensive coordinator, Man, they were always getting turnovers. It was taught and stressed every day. This is what you need to do to get the turnovers. Th th that's really what you have to do when you teach this stuff. And they didn't do it. I'm not going to put all the blame on that kid. No. But, man, it, opportunities like that, you got to take advantage of them. It's the easy one, too. You know, that's yeah. just falling right in your breadbasket. And then uh, it really is one of those things in basketball. They say you're too wide open. Uh, could have been a situation there, but uh, he totally just just took his eye off the ball, and it, and that was a huge play. But Matt, I want to get your thoughts on Matt Stafford because you know he had a, obviously like a, a pretty good career with Detroit. I would say I, I think that they would have liked to win a little bit more, put up a ton of numbers of nothing else. Uh, but big acquisition a year ago for the Rams to trade for Stafford. We didn't know how it was going to pan out. 
They made all these moves. They, they sort of have what, what we call the NFL super team. They don't have a ton of picks. They invested a lot in the talent that they have. And Stafford, I feel, has played really well this postseason. Uh, the, he got his first postseason win, now his first three postseason victories, and now he finally gets a chance at a Super Bowl. Um, I thought he was nails in that throw to Cup uh, against the Bucks. That was a huge moment for him. And I thought the comeback in the fourth quarter, obviously it helps that Tart drop that ball, but I thought he was really good in that fourth quarter in the comeback. Uh, overall, I think this is huge for Matt Stafford. I think every Lions fan, Leon, is happy for him. But overall, uh, you know, the Rams, and I and I think he has a real chance to cement a legacy here and maybe become a Hall of Famer with a performance in the Super Bowl. But, man, I think Matt Stafford has been really good this entire postseason and including at the end of this game. Yeah, there's moments in this game where I recognize Matt Stafford for being the turnover machine that he is. <laughs> for sure. I mean – Mass Africa can easily lose you a game just as he can win you a game. I mean, he is immensely talented. To me, you know, my, my favorite comp for him is Jay Cutler. That, that's who he reminds me a lot of. Both are sneaky athletic. Both will put the ball in the defender's hands. They'll give, you know, you just got to catch it. But the, the arm strength for both were just tremendous. Obviously, I think Matthew Stafford's probably a little bit better than Jay. I think there's no debating that. But, man, that, that first red zone interception was kind of like, oh, man, you just yeah. – you want more from your quarterback than that. Better decision-making. If the window's not there, sometimes you get – you know, first possession right. of the game, figure something else out. But to me, I just – you know, I, I'm going to give Stafford a lot of credit. I, I – a really good career. Is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? Man, I – I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think a ring or two would help, from all I'm saying. It, it could. Yeah. A, a ring's definitely going to bolster that case. Um, I, I think the interesting conversation comes in, and I, I want to see what Eli gets when the vote. Like, like when Eli, Eli becomes Hall of Fame eligible, yeah. what he gets. And I think that will provide you kind of a roadmap for what happens with Stafford. Fair enough. I do think his numbers will be there at the end, but a lot of it was empty ones with the Lions. I understand that. Uh, we'll see. I'm happy for the guy. I'm happy for my guy, Odell. Um, one last note on this game. Well, two last things. Aaron Donald, relatively quiet for most of this game. It came up huge with the pressure on Jimmy G that led to the interception. Uh, I expect more from Aaron Donald against that Bengals offensive line. Uh, and then fourth quarter of this game, the Niners were outscored 13 to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the last three years, uh, there have been two quarterbacks, or let me get this exactly right. One guy has lost the game with a 10-point leader more going into the fourth quarter uh, in the last three years, and, and both of them were Jimmy Garoppolo. So uh, so sorry about that, but, hey, you know, uh, I'm not shocked. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not surprised we've seen this with Jimmy before. Um, all right, well, the Rams. Rams are in it now. I think I we both expected, at least me, I expected the Rams to be a legit contender this year, and they backed it up, and now they're there. The AFC, nobody could have possibly told me with conviction that the Bengals were going to be in the Super Bowl before the season, middle of the season, even when the playoffs started. I would not have bought it. So, Matt, before we say goodbye, I want to get your initial thoughts here on Rams-Bengals. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's different. I think it's going to be a fun game. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to the halftime show. So I, yeah. I, I know we're going to have a lot on that in the coming week. Oh yeah, but man, it's I, I think it's going to be a good game. 
It's the closest Detroit has ever gotten to a Super Bowl. Stafford, <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> so you know, Leon's going to have his uh, Matt Stafford jersey on. Uh, but we do our Super Bowl special, which uh, will be announced later, either this week or next week. We'll discuss, discuss with the guys what works for them, what day is best. So you're going to want to stay tuned with that because, Matt, you and I are not doing a show on Thursday this week. Uh, we're knocking it all out today. And then we'll see you guys back next week. We'll do an in-depth preview of Super Bowl 56. We'll have all your favorite guys on. Do a blow a whole blowout about the day, uh, and you know we don't. You're not going to miss, miss that as well. But between now and then, we have other shows that are under this Life Group podcast umbrella, Matt Bushnell, and they do a great job covering their sports. So why don't you tell the audience about that before we say goodbye? Absolutely. You know there may be some news for Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr. The um, Dong City Baseball Podcast. We're hoping to get baseball back here pretty soon. You know, hurry up, baseball people. Come on. Yes, they're meeting today. Again, the Players Union and MLB. So hopefully they make some more traction on that. Also, we have the Step Back podcast in basketball life with Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses. They went last night. Tune in, guys. I'm telling you, you're missing a hell of a base basketball podcast with those two. They Corey was on last night too, right? Yeah, Corey Decker, our friend, our stat machine. Yes. Corey Decker. <laughs> you know, talking, uh, you know, Phoenix Suns basketball. I mean, this team looks legit. They really yes. look legit. So, you know, you, you want to tune into those guys. I mean, if you like basketball, you're a fan of basketball. Those guys got it. You know, they, they just do. It's a great show. I love it. Um, and then we have the Total Basis podcast, fantasy baseball related. As baseball season gets closer, you want to know who's going to who to pick if there is a season, which it, there, there might be a season. Might Maybe. be. So tune into Felipe and Austin as they talk about the baseball fantasy world. I know I have to get ready for my fantasy baseball draft, getting all my guys, all my White Sox players. So ready for that. And then, you know, Randy, um, we're kind of, you know, it's it's wrapping up here for us pretty quickly. You know, and um, just a big thanks to our audience and everyone that's tuned in over the past Ah, 24 weeks, it feels like. Oh, man. Yes, it's been a long one. It's been the biggest season ever, and it's not just been for the NFL. It's been for us as well because we've been uh, doing this for a long time, it seems, and uh, it's finally crazy. that It's it's crazy that it's finally wrapping up here. And soon enough, Matt, we're going to be previewing the draft that we will be in attendance for. So um, we got one more game left of this professional football season, and it, it looks to be a good one. Two number nines uh, battling it out for football supremacy. Uh, but, yeah, a big shout-out goes to everyone who watches us on Facebook Live always with the interaction. You make the show so much better when you do that, so we greatly appreciate that. And if you watch us on YouTube or on the audio-only platforms, we thank you for taking some time, wherever you may be, to make us a small part of your day. So, Matt, do you have any parting words for the audience? Be on the lookout, because there was a bet that Randy still is going to pay up on. <laughs> so hey, That guy might end up being the quarterback of my team, too, so we'll see. <laughs> Randy Dalton. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. All right. Well, <laughs> on behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying be good and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>